You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, Pasco Vale. It's great to be back to share the message with you today and a warm welcome to all and also for those who are listening online also. Hopefully we can see you face to face soon. But for the benefit of those who do not know me, my name is Alvin and it's still my privilege again to bring uh, the message to you today. Uh, and hopefully you found that the uh, Resolving Everyday Conflict series to be beneficial but also challenging. To get us up to speed, let's do a quick recap of the journey so far. The umbrella thought that flows through the entire series is that the gospel changes everything. It's because of the impact of the gospel on me that changes how I deal with conflict with others. It's about how God has dealt with me. Jesus dying on the cross for me that changes and affects every aspect of my life and particularly how I ought to deal with conflict. If that idea that the gospel is the underlying thought and the sermon sound like a broken record, that's good because that's the entire purpose of it. And it is the most important part of our transformation and how we manage conflict. It's the most important part that we hope you take away from all of these sessions. We looked at the four, we looked at first of the four G's. Being glorifying God, going to higher ground, uh, and, and, and the other two, the idea is not to leave God out of our conflict, but to have Him right in the midst of it. We have a very horizontal way of thinking and looking at things. Often when we uh, have a conflict, we often focus on the other person, but we should really be focusing our energies on the vertical relationship with God by asking ourselves, what would please God and honor God in this situation, and how we would like me, or how He would like me, to manage the relationships on a horizontal level. The question we find out from all our nature is often, how can I win in a conflict? But the question we should really be asking is, what does God want me to do in this trend, in this situation? It is truly a transformative question if we want to learn more. Then we look at the other two G's, which is to get real about ourselves or get the log out of our own eye before we start picking on the speck of the others. Jesus addresses conflict and he said the place we start when resolving conflict is not on the other side, but begins with you. What is our contribution to that conflict? We also learned about the power and the impact of a great confession. And we learned how poor apologies can sometimes, and uh, how, how poor our apologies are, sorry, and how we should be making a proper apology, a God-honoring apology. Of the eight sermons that we have in this series, we find that five of them deals with our contribution to the conflict. And the balance is about how we deal with others and how we engage. So before... We even begin to engage with others. We need to pay attention to that relationship that we have with God. Now that we have done with the our part, let's now take a look at how we should engage with others. So today's message is titled, Gently 
engage others with the foundational verses found within the Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 20. But before we get it stuck into the message, let us bow our heads in prayer to prepare our hearts and ask God to tell us what He wants to say to us today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to study your word and to reflect upon it. May your scripture speak loudly into our hearts, challenge us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in your righteousness. Help us, dear Lord, to take away something from today's message so that we can apply it in our own lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, for those who don't know what I do for a living, I'm a tax collector. Not quite. I assess the market valuations of property for which, unfortunately, your taxes are based upon. So you can, ex- you can guess, I'm not quite well liked in my profession, especially those who have to pay higher taxes. Conflict is like another day on a job for me, especially during the tax or rates payment time. People will ring up to me and complain or object to the valuation I have access on behalf of the government. I've been called all sorts of things, from being corrupt, incompetent, receive my fair share of racial slurs, get on the boat, go back to where you come from because of my heritage and my ethnicity, and all sorts of funny things that people say just to get what they want. Now, don't get me wrong. Most people are fairly nice to deal with, and many are actually very respectful and polite. But there are always some, or always a few, that really get up your nose and yell and scream at you because they think that by doing so, they can do that you will do what you, they want, a lower tax bill. That is just life for me. Now, I know that nobody likes to pay more tax than they should, and an increase in your taxes puts burdens and stresses on your personal finances. So often, when we try to be, so often we try to be conservative as we possibly can. But sometimes, no matter what we do, it is never enough. Even when we have a conservative assessment of your property value, some still take us all the way to court or threaten me with legal action just because they can. Recently, that was exactly what happened. The person was pretty much taken, has taken me all the way to VCAT. So for those who are not familiar with VCAT, it's like a tribunal, it's a civil one. Because he thinks that, by, that he thinks he's right and that I am in the wrong. And so he's taken me all the way there. Despite my attempts to help resolve the conflict, he would not have a bar of it. They just, they just want to make a, he just wants to make a statement, and that is, I'm wrong, and he's right. Despite not giving any evidence or proof to support his position, he just doesn't provide anything. Despite the above, his valuation should have been way above what we have assessed it at for the initial tax purposes because uh, because a, a property that, that's directly across the road from him actually sold for a much higher price than what we have valued his, and, that, and they're actually very, very similar. It's just a retail shop. So unfortunately, at VCAT, his valuation is going up because we need to do an independent assessment of his property. And like I said, all the evidence pointed to a higher figure. And we need to advise based on the expert evidence where his property value should be. So the long story short is that he paid $890 to bring us to court only to come out with a higher 
tax bill, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The moral story is deal with people gently and do not pick a fight with rating taxation values. No, that's just a joke. Of course, that's not the case. The moral story is when dealing with others, do it gently because you might find that you might have actually contributed more to the conflict than you realize. And sometimes it is us, not them, that is making things worse. To help us better understand how we ought to resolve everyday conflict, I thought it might be helpful to use a flowchart. So how does conflict begin? We all know that a conflict begins when an offence has occurred. Something was done or said that offended us or someone else. Our pride or our person is hurt or offended. An offence can be tricky because it's not always mutual. Some people may be offended by certain things and some might think, ah, it's no big deal. The question we need to ask ourselves whenever we are faced with an offence is, can I overlook it? Can I overlook it? Is it so bad that I have to take offence? You know, taking offence is often a choice that we make. Sometimes the same thing might offend us one day and not cause offence the next day. I'm sure we've all been there and know what I mean. For example, when we say, oh, you look good today, on occasion the response will be met with, why, thank you for the compliment. But sometimes the response would be, why, do I not look good on other days? You see, offence can occur depending on the perspective and the mood of the person on that day, isn't it? Maybe someone has had a bad day at work with the boss or the kids have been behaving poorly and you are just tired and every little thing just causes you to snap. Let's be honest. It's happened, can and will happen at any time. So how, how we deal with offence will guide us how we deal with conflict as it escalates. Is offence bad? No. We are all not the same and there are certain things that will cause offence and conflicts will arise regardless. Things like racism, sexism, bigotry, corruption and unacceptable behaviour. If we do not take offence, it's not good either because it means we just do not care. Can I overlook it? Now, Proverbs 19 verse 11 tells us that good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offence. The word used in Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 is the word sin. Now is Jesus talking about someone who sins only against another believer or someone who offends or does something disagreeable or is this someone who sins in an obviously and true clear way. Well, the scripture in some, in some uh, versions say it is the person, but in some versions it's a bit more vague. Well, the scripture does not give a specific answer, the process should still be the same in all cases. We need to ask ourselves, is this sin something we can overlook? Or should we take offence? Obviously, if the sin is against the law, Actions need to be taken immediately, 
We need to let the police know about it or the law enforcement. We cannot overlook that. Things like domestic violence, pedophilia and others should be reported to the law enforcement right away. But not all sin amounts to a crime, does it? Sometimes it's just something that someone has done to you or something that they said that offended you. It's our choice then to whether we take offense or not. The Bible teaches us often to forgive, but we know that all there will be times that this sin needs to be addressed. And a simple I forgive you or overlooking an offense is not enough. But scripture reminds us to be slow to anger and be patient and gentle when dealing with one another. If the sin is only a minor thing, perhaps a wrong choice of words or actions that has caused hurt and it can be overlooked, we win. There's no offense, there's no fights, there's no conflict. There's no conflict and everyone just goes on with life. But if the answer is no, we can't overlook it and there will be instances of such. God teaches us to confront it and manage it in a godly manner. Jesus tells us the first step when someone has sinned against you is that we should go talk privately with that person. Go talk to that person privately. Matthew 18, 15 writes, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now whilst it's difficult and daunting, sometimes there are misunderstandings as well. What you might have taken offense to could be something totally innocent. And the brother or sister had no intentions to cause offense. Talking things out tends to resolve conflicts at a very early stage and makes it much easier to resolve a conflict than escalating it. And my friends, please do not do that via text or email. That is the worst way we can ever deal with something like this. I'm sure Jesus did not instruct us to write a letter to resolve our conflict. Instead, he instructed us to go to talk to the person privately, to build that relationship. More miscommunication can arise and things can escalate or not have the desired effect. It's important to address the matter with someone face to face. This is because the tone of voice and body language is not evident in our texts or emails despite the use of things like emojis or whatever. Now we even have video calls as well. So there is really no excuse to not address the person with whom we have conflict face to face. Solve conflict at the lowest level possible before escalating and bringing others into the picture. Try and work things out between yourselves before you bring others into the picture. Some conflicts get resolved simply by making an effort to communicate with one another better. Now before we go to talk to someone, it's helpful to hit the pause button of our anger. The acronym PAUSE, or P-A-U-S-E, 
it's also helpful for us to think through how we engage with one another. The P being prepare. Take time to prepare what you'd like to say to the person who has caused you offense. Pray about it. Ask God what you go to tell you what you should say or what you're going to say to that person. Read the scripture and see what it says about a particular topic before you bring it up with your brother. Do not go unprepared as things can escalate if you have not thought through how you're going to address the issue at hand. Often a well-prepared thought or a thought-out response yields a much more productive and fruitful outcome and discussion. Instead of gossiping to other people, raise it up with God too as you prepare your heart. The Bible is full of people complaining to God about others. Just read the Psalms and you see many, many examples. While seeking wise or God counsel might be another way of preparing, be careful though, however, not to make it become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do not slander others in the process or cast a negative perspective of the other party. As the Bible teaches, do unto others what you like others do unto you. We ought to not malign the person without giving the person a fair opportunity to explain themselves or to tell their side of the story. So choose your questions when you speak to wise counsel wisely as well. Now the A is for affirm. Affirm the relationships. Let the person know that you're coming to them not because you wish to continue the fight, but because you value that relationship with that person and you want to make amends or you want to reconcile. Help the person know that you're there not to judge them, but that you are there, but that there are elements of the broken relationship that needs repairing. And that you are there and willing to work towards reconciliation. The you is for understand. Go with an open mind and open heart and try to understand the situation from their perspective. Perhaps there were areas of misunderstanding that caused the conflict in the first place. Also help them understand what caused you offense too. The S is to search for solutions. Work, towards, work together towards reconciliation. See if there's any common ground to be achieved. Search for a solution that helps one another mend their relationship. Perhaps there are other ways of saying things or doing things so that in the future, misunderstanding or offence does not occur. Especially between couples. I know both Catherine and I have had our fair shares of using the wrong words or to communicate wrongly, which led to some quarrels and misunderstanding. The E is to evaluate. Sit down and evaluate together what is the root of the conflict so that this can be avoided in the future. Friends, this is the part we work together to see if we can resolve it. Now, I found the above approach to be particularly helpful personally as I have seen the fruit of these outcomes. This related to the work I mentioned before. For example, there was a ratepayer who was very upset with our company and he was deliberately rousing people to object to the bill that they were paying. So I made a personal effort 
to go and meet with this people, uh, these two persons and work through with them his or her issues. And to the best of my ability, help them to understand how the process worked and worked on solutions to bring together reconciliation. After doing the same thing for these two persons, uh, one a, a counsellor at a council and one a ratepayer, they both came to realise that their anger towards me was actually unfounded and based on incorrect information, actual incorrect information. And a misunderstanding of the process caused them to have that anger in them. Both did apologise to me in the end, but they even went one step further. They even defended me in a public, heated, confrontational, objectors meeting that I had to attend and give a presentation to. One of the ratepayers actually stood up at that meeting when everyone's yelling and screaming at me, and he stood up and he said, guys, just stop it. These guys know what they're talking about. Give him a chance to explain. I never expected that. I was not expecting him to do that at all, but he did that for me. He came to my defense even without my request. He became an, as an ally rather than an enemy. After that confrontation meeting, we extended the opportunity to discuss the other people's concerns individually, and similarly, they came too with the realization that they have actually misunderstood what the valuations meant because they were adding things together that they shouldn't have been doing. Some of them, obviously, we realized it was our fault because we actually contributed to that because we had the wrong information on our records and we fixed it immediately for them. As scripture rightfully describes in verse 15, then when we deal with others gently and have won them over, we don't make an enemy. We gain a brother or a sister. Hopefully, by working through our differences, we can resolve matters. But if we are unable to re reach a resolution, we probably need to take further steps. Now, verse... Sorry, I a few slides there. Verse 16 tells us that we need to take the step of involving others. Now, involving others does not mean to gang up on that person we are confronting. Now, Scripture tells us that the role of others is not to intimidate the person, but to provide an extra layer of unbiased counsel so that the person can hear from a different perspective and not one that he or she perceives to be tainted. It also adds another layer of witness to the sin so that in the event that things turn ugly or go in the wrong direction, there are witnesses to prove that we have done everything right by this person. For example, with the VCAT case that I had to deal with, others were brought in to help the applicant realize the offense that has occurred. But despite an impartial party stepping in to attempt to resolve the conflict, they also witness the unwillingness of the other person to realize his error or to be cooperative. This is so that every charge that we make may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Unfortunately for me, the applicant also made accusations of me, targeting him, targeting, uh, uh, sorry, made accusations of me, targeting him in front of the presiding member. 
and he made accusations of me being incompetent in my job and not affording him the due process and even attacked my ethnicity. All of which were not true because other witnesses have, been, have seen for themselves and experienced firsthand these things that this person was doing and how I've actually gone above and beyond to try to explain things to this person but he simply would not listen. Despite all that I have mentioned, the party representing me could see for themselves through their own interactions with this person that the accusations made against me were wrong and unfounded again. And the objector was the one that was being difficult. Had I not have anyone else witnessed this behaviour, I could potentially have gotten myself into serious trouble. Despite my efforts of doing everything right by this person. Deuteronomy chapter 15, sorry, chapter 19, verses 15 to 19 writes, A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with, it, with any offence that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother wrongly, that you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Moving along the flowchart, if the other counsel helps, we win. The person over, and that is great. But what if it does not? happened. Well, if step one and two fails, we need to unfortunately take it to the church or be transparent with everyone on what we have done to try and resolve the matter. Verse 17 says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Looking back at the flowchart, if the person listens to the church, that is great. But if he or she still does not, the final is unfortunately disciplinary action. Sadly, in some instances, conflict gets to a point where discipline is required. But before we get there, we need to take steps to make sure we deal with the other person gently. Much like what happened with my situation, I tried to help the person understand the matters at hand. But despite my efforts, he treated me with disdain. And despite the other's attempt together with me to help him see the picture, he refuses and maintains his right and everybody else is wrong. In the end, he reaps what he sows. And he receives punishment for his actions. But even so, we should still try to be nice and we did that by not pursuing punitive damages against him. Sadly, despite all of this, despite all that's happened, he still thinks that we are corrupt and that he wants to take things further to the press and to the media and to the court of public opinion, he calls it. Sometimes there are people whom we just can't talk sense into and we just need to let them go and let them do their thing. What is important, however, is that we, need, we did everything right by this person. 
and with our hand on our heart, we have no regret in the actions we have taken. That is all we are called to do. Just like Jesus Christ, taking upon his sins of the world on his shoulders, even to the death on the cross, he still says in Luke chapter 23, verse 24, as pagans tore up his garment and cast lots for his clothing, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus loved the people even though they rejected him. We are not called to be judges, and it's not for us to avenge. As Romans chapter 12, verse 19 writes, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In conclusion, remember what Jesus has done for you and let scripture transform you to become more like him. Remember that it is because of him that is why we do what we do. We are no longer bound to this sinful world but are being transformed day by day in his likeness. How we deal with conflict needs to be transformed as well by the saving work of Jesus upon that cross. And despite our sins and transgressions dealt gently with us, bearing with our sins all the way to that cross. If Jesus our Master has done it, how much more should we be doing it too? And doing it to one another because He loved us and called us to love others as well. Gently engaging others is hard, especially when they have sinned against us. Reconciliation is also difficult and much effort is required. But God demands it. God demands it from us. However, that is what our God is calling us to do. It is what God wants us to do, to show His love to those who have yet to fully experience His grace and His mercy. That grace and mercy that is unconditional. We hope that today's message has challenged you. And we hope that you take the steps necessary to reconcile with that brother or sisters of yours who have sinned against you. Ask God to help you deal with your conflict better. And may His will be done in each and every one of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word and to remind us how we ought to deal with others gently because we love them as you have loved them. It's because of what you did on that cross that's caused us to be transformed. Help us, dear Lord, to transform our way of thinking, transform the way we deal and manage conflict. And help us, Lord Father, to love as you have loved, despite the pain and the hurt and the sin that's been done against us. Help us to find the spirit of reconciliation that you even sacrificed your only son, Jesus, to die on that cross for our sins. What can we sacrifice for you? Bring reconciliation back to yourself. Reconciliation is hard, Lord. And engaging with others are difficult.
Will your spirit guide us, lead us, show us how and what to say so that we can be a blessing to others. We thank you, God, and we pray, dear Lord, that you have helped challenge our hearts today. In whatever manner, Lord Father, that we may have people that we need to deal with, Lord Father, we live in your hands. Prepare our hearts, prepare our spirits to engage others gently if we need to. We thank you, God, for your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.